welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks band. Um, I want to formally apologise to the worship band. It seems to be the only common theme recently about when there's issues with the worship band is when I'm preaching. Someone gets sick, someone's away, people are away. There's three from three. I'm, I'm on a streak at the moment, so... You're gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not preaching through in December anyway, so you're all safe. Um, so, um, yeah, and oh, I always say it every time I get up here. Sorry, I'll get in a bit more serious mode now. Um, it's just such an honour to be able to come up on stage and be able to speak. Um, and I don't take it for granted ever. And even though this week the seed of this message was planted probably at the, when I was, when I preached back in was October, September, the seed of this one, and it was an idea that was bubbling away then that was not right for then. So it just got scrapped and was just sort of sitting there. And it came up again last time and then it got scrapped again and it's back again. So it's been there and going, but it's still been a challenge to get out there. And as much as we've been trying to prepare, I think it's changed about four or five times already this week, uh, even this afternoon at 3.15, just as I'm about to leave, just typing up a couple of little changes, more so because it's something that... Um, something that's, because it's been, I suppose, bubbling away, uh, the importance for me of this has been growing and growing, has been going through that. So I just pray today that I honour what it is that God's been doing in me while really being reflecting on this. So, um, yes, and so I also want to thank uh, Pastor Edwina, um, Pastors Ron and Jill, who are away at the moment, um, for what they do uh, and who they are, and really uh, giving me an opportunity and, and encouraging me and championing me to be able to do things in the church, but not just me, so many other people, whether it's something that's up the front or something that is unseen behind, you see God's calling on people's lives and you champion that for them. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. So, and the reason, i jump back to what I was talking about before, about the reason this message sort of popped up is because we've been talking about communion a lot. And the first message I spoke about, we had communion with that. Uh, and that was the first one without a worship team. And we went through, we had liturgy and went through that whole service and this image came up, which is something that um, I came across uh, a long time ago when I was studying, um, when I did my theology degree. And it's something that's always sat with me. It's an image that I refer to often in my head when I'm talking about the Trinity, but also about communion. Uh, and I'll get um, Darren to chuck it up on the screen for us. Uh, apologies. Uh, it may not look as clear on the screen. Actually, it looks actually okay on the screen. I'm surprised. Um, because this is um, a, an image, so it's, what it is, it's, the, it's an iconography, so it's Russian Orthodox background from the 15th century um, by an artist known as Rublev. Uh, they can't date it exactly, um, but it's somewhere in that 15th century, and it's simply called the Trinity. And what's so interesting about this, and this will have a point eventually, so um, if I bore you through here, I apologise, but I find it really interesting, so hopefully you can also find it really interesting also. Uh, 
you might notice something weird about this image. Um, I'll stand a little bit aside, but hopefully I don't go out of screen for those who are watching at home. But you might have a look at the angles and the way that it's done and where the focal point is. So normally when you're looking at, a, uh, at an image or a, a photo or uh, a painting, that when the artist does that, whether it's, um, we'll just talk about drawing or uh, something of that nature, they put a focal point in that image. Uh, whether it's something that's further in the distance or whether it's uh, a person, uh, an item, something like that, which is everything sort of draws your focus to that. But in this image there, here, the actual focal point of this image is actually off the canvas, is off the, off the picture. The focal point, and if you look at all the lines, maybe it's easier if I do it from this one back here, all the lines, say for the table, are actually pointing in and coming in. So the focal point is actually off the page. So the focal point, if this is the canvas here and the, everything, so the focal point is actually here. The focal point is you. And it's drawing you to this table, which is the communion table. Um, you can see that the Eucharist, the, the blood and the, and the cup are sitting there. And the table also is pretty much symbolising as well uh, an altar table. So it's all this sim, like this, you could sit on this image for so long. There's people that have written so much work around this image. Um, but what I want to focus on today is that we are drawn into this table with these, so it's three angels, and they represent the Trinity, hence the name. So on the left, you've got God the Father, and there's many reasons why, whether it's the dress, uh, also what's in the background behind. Uh, and then the second is the Son, Jesus, and the third uh, is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so they're all identified by colours, by posture, by uh, many different things. But their relationship is also shown in this image. First off, it's their forms. Their forms are all very similar. Uh, if you look at them and you didn't know, you'd just say that they're three, like, you know, three people that look very similar. The hair's the same, the face the same, the halo size is exactly the same. Other, the clothes are the same other than, obviously, the colours are slightly different. But they are all done to reflect that the symmetry of God in the Trinity is that they are all God. And then you look at their gaze. You've got Jesus, who's looking towards God, and the Holy Spirit, head bowed, looking sort of towards God in reverence. And then you've got God looking back towards Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the postures. So God is facing inward towards the table, towards the other two. And on the other side, you've got the Holy Spirit facing also inward with the head bowed. And then you've got Jesus in the middle, who, while the, his gaze is on the Father, body is postured towards the Spirit. So there's this evenness between all three. And then you've also got the hands. So you've got Jesus with his hands down, blessing the, the cup. But then you've also got God the Father, which is probably one that's a little bit harder to see, but he's also got the hands in a, 
blessing towards the cup, but also in the general direction of the other two. And the reason that there's all these different, like, other than just being amazing to be able to think about all these things and put these in such an, an elegant way, is that it's meant to show that the sameness, but also that they all work together in symmetry. They all work together and they all direct you towards the other. So if you look towards Jesus, if you follow his gaze, he takes you to the Father who then is then looking across towards both of them. Then you notice that the, the, the Spirit is bowing towards the Father and his gaze is down towards the cup or you could say maybe back towards the Father, but then you look at the hands coming up from the cup and then it's just it's this circular thing where that they keep their postures and everything so it's meant to be this symmetry between there's so much more look i don't want to go any further because if i keep going i'd probably lose everyone and i'd probably do really bad and start going down a rabbit hole that doesn't need to be going down so now the reason for sharing this is because in this series, we've been looking at encounters with Jesus. Now, this is the, uh, the last one before we jump into Advent and Christmas. And I wanted to be able to bring us uh, this opportunity to see when we talk about encounters with Jesus, encountering Jesus, um, it isn't just about this one person, Jesus the man. We have looked at Bible passages where Jesus interacted with people. We have looked at... I want to make sure I get all of them in here. Um, looked at the way that the, um, through worship and through communion, where it's more than just one element in part of that. It's not just Jesus as part of that. Through liturgy, uh, we looked at how that we can encounter him. We can look at uh, and search for the real Jesus. Are we actually searching for the real Jesus? And then Edwina sharing last week uh, the revelation about... Um, get my words right here, uh, revelation about uh, the time of renewal and, and growth and, and, and Ali said, like, you know, the image of the garden and pruning back. It's all of these things here. Yes, the theme was encountering Jesus, but in encountering Jesus, you are drawn to, hopefully you, you are drawn to or you realise you are drawn to both the Father and the Spirit as part of that. And sometimes we need to experience the element, the personhood of one or the other. We know, sometimes we need the personhood of the Father. We need to know there's this, this almighty God creator that has immense power. Sometimes we also need to have that Father who is, can just take you in his hands and take away all the cares of the world from you. And knowing that this all-powerful God also cares for you like a child. Sometimes we need to know the Son and what He has done for us. We need to know that we need to be focusing on the Son and what He has done, uh, who He is, and then why He did what He did. And then we also have the Spirit as well, um, also known as the Advocate. And we've experienced, and I think obviously being in a Pentecostal church, um, and it's something that coming from a non-Pentecostal background in a Pentecostal church, I have seen and grown so much more in, and I grew a lot of a period of time through some amazing people in my life, but just so much more. But the idea of the Holy Spirit as, as an advocate, an advocate is someone who goes on behalf of 
you to, um, to God. And yeah, before I pretty much preach my whole sermon in just like a sort of intro thing uh, and have to go back over thing, I'm just going to quickly pray and then we'll jump in and have a look at these, the three persons of the Trinity and then have an opportunity to then uh, reflect out of that. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we have things like this image, artistry like this, that can so elegantly show the relationship between the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We just thank you that we get the opportunity to to interact with you in different ways through each of these different persons. We thank you that you are wanting to interact with us in a way that maybe what we need or what we want or maybe just what works best for us in that period of time. I just pray that uh, as I speak, that I am being faithful to what it is that you have placed on my heart, the words you have placed here uh, for me to share and that you are going to speak to those who are the ones that you are really wanting to, to target and speak to today, that this is an opportunity for us to, to hear from you or to, to help and uplift others around us that are experiencing you here today. Amen. All right, God the Father. So there's two elements of the God the Father which I mentioned. We've got God known as God the Father, God Almighty, uh, El Shaddai. And that's a name that God gives himself and it's uh, a lot in Genesis. So there's... I, I've picked a couple of verses, so I might, it might seem as though that I'm cherry-picking verses just because there's so many of them. And if I try to read the context of all of them, look, it'd be longer than me trying to explain the, the image, uh, the painting before. So I just want to be faithful in that and acknowledge that I am not giving full context in terms of all the passages here, but I'm explaining that I'm just going over the names that God has given himself or the way God speaks about um, himself in that way. So first one I'm going to speak to, which won't be on the screen, uh, is uh, Genesis 17, verse 1 to 2. And then when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you, guarantee to give you countless descendants. And then Genesis 35, 11. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation. Even many nations' kings will um, be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I'll give to you and your descendants after you. Now, these are just two times, and there's plenty more times, where God refers to himself El Shaddai, God Almighty. And this is a term to, to bring reverence to. This is an authoritative name. This is to say that I am the God that holds the power here. I am the one that in this dynamic here, I am God and you are not. 
Now, this is very much sometimes the God that people point to and say, you know, why do, how can you follow a God that just tells you what to do or tells you to do this or you have to follow these rules, blah, blah, blah. But God sets that at the beginning. In Genesis, he refers to himself in this way because he sets a bar. He sets a priesthood. I am God Almighty. You know who I am. I am the creators of, he- of the heaven and earth. I, I have power here. Uh, this is the reason that you are here is because I am who I am. And he sets that so that when he then speaks about himself in other ways, so when he speaks about himself in God the Father, which I'm about to get to, or when Jesus comes along, or when the Spirit comes along, you can see that the power, you've got God the, God the Father, God Almighty there, who has all the power, who is the creator of heaven and earth. But just because he is this immensely unimaginable the amount of power and knowledge that, and wisdom that God holds, it can seem so distant and far away. And that's, I think, sometimes what detracts people from, from going after God and, and trying to search more about him. But then we get to see so many other faces of God where you actually get to understand that even though he, that's who he is, he wants so much more and an intimate relationship with us so that we can get to know him more than just the one side of him. Like for each of us, we have more than one side to us. You could say, you know, when pastors come up on the stage, you can see, you get to see the public face of them. But then the good pastors, the pastors like what we have here, we've got Edwina and Rowan and Jill, they'll also share some of the other parts of their life, uh, their other passions that they may have, the, other, the struggles they may have, uh, the, you know, just all those different sides to them. So you don't just see the one side. And God is doing this in such a grander way. So that's just the start. He wants to set a precedent of who he is so that you know when you're coming to him what he can do and there is nothing that he can't do. So then we move into God the Father. So in Isaiah 64 verse 8, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And in 1 John 3 verse 1, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. God the, God the Father is such a powerful image. So whether or not us ourselves have experienced a, um, a father figure in our life, um, whether it's um, a biological or um, or adopted father, um, that might be good or bad. It, in, no, my, in no way would it ever be perfect. But we'll be able to see a glimpse of what a father should or shouldn't be. Yet God comes and shows this amazingly perfect version of a father that cares for his children, that cared for us so much that he, like, he moulded us, he created us. He, the way that we are is because of God creating us in the way, like lovingly just bringing us together to be so perfect in, in that way. Before sin, but we're not going to get into that today. And then the verse which will culminate, uh, sorry, bring the last verse that I'll use today for God, uh, around God, but then move into for both Jesus and the Holy Spirit is John 14, 
And we'll start with verses 1 and 2. Don't let your hearts be, be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Uh, this is Jesus talking here. There is more than enough room in the Father's home. If, there were, uh, if this were not so, would I, have, uh, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So we talked about God, the Father, and God Almighty. But this is a Father that has more than enough room. This is a Father that has a home for each and every one of us. Like, you know, you could, it's not a, a physical home. It's, it's referring, obviously, to heaven. Um, but it's saying that God has this place for us. For us, it's not a, just a, oh, okay, if you want, you can come along. It's God has got a room for, for you. God has got a place for you in heaven. It's not a, uh, a chosen that there's a place for some, or there's a, I've done something for, for these people. Everyone else, there's this sort of like general area for them to be a part of and run around and play games. It's, there is more than enough room in the Father's home. The Father has got a place for each and every one of us there. And it makes it so much better for me to know that we've got this creator God, this almighty God with all this power, all this wisdom, all this knowledge that comes down and cares for us like their own child. And being a father, um, being a father of one, soon to be two, um, I know and understand just, just you know, in a small way what it is to, to care for your child uh, and to love them and, and to want to do anything for them. And God does this for each and every single one of us. So the other, the other person, the person in the middle of that, um, that image before was Jesus the Son. And then we're going to look at uh, John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. So pick up uh, later in that verse. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had, uh, if you had really known me, you will know my father, who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I don't know, like I didn't necessarily even grow up in church per se. Like I went to kids club and then I went to youth group and I really only started going to church, like services and being a part of that. Like I never went to Sunday school, like until I was like in year 11 and 12. Um, but I still remember the song, like I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus said. And when I read that, I, like, and there's something that sticks in my head. <clears throat> Sorry, I probably shouldn't have sung at the moment, but anyway, that's all right. And I think that sometimes that we just forget. And the reason that, we, that there's, so, there's so many great things that come out of what we teach our kids, whether it's songs like that, is that we just want, to, we want them to know the most important things about Jesus. We want them to know who he is and why he's so important. And sometimes we forget that. When we get into church and we get in life comes and we want to maybe dive into all these big uh, theological ideas or um, try and get fight whatever it is that is currently a trending topic in the world, we sometimes just forget 
Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is the way. You need to know who Jesus is to know who God is. He said, if you have seen me, so you have seen the Father. The truth that he brings is that, that out in the world, there is only one truth, and that is, is Jesus. There are so many other things, whether it's false or half-truths out there, that we can sometimes be drawn to or hold, try and hold on to. And if we are not holding true to Jesus, to, to the, the truth that he brings, how can we then bring that truth to then our loved ones, our families, our friends, our community? We really want to be able to hold on to that truth. He is the truth. And then Jesus is the life. He is more than just eternal life. And I think that's sometimes where we can get drawn to because potentially even growing up in the church or if you've been outside the church, a lot of things that Christians talk about is that, you know, you become a Christian so that you can go to heaven and see Jesus and see God. But it's so much more than that. This is where you can find purpose for your life, fulfilment, love, and so much more. Everything life-giving that Jesus brings you, you can find other places. But it isn't going to be perfect love. It isn't going to be fulfilling. And it will let you down, no matter how good it may be. And I'm not saying that you can't find great things out there. But if that is the, the life that you cling yourself to, it will let you down. So if you have the life of Jesus at the base of everything, if that's the life that you cling on to, you'll be able to work through the hurts in your life. If something breaks down, if something happens, it won't be life-shattering. It might be life-changing, but it won't completely break you down because you're clinging to the perfect life, the life of Jesus that, that Jesus can bring. And then also, if you're clinging to the life that Jesus brings, on the positive side, there's so many things that when you then attach yourself, you might become really successful or popular or whatever, that that isn't then what sustains you and carries you, but you are propelled through life by Jesus. And whatever else comes is just a bonus because you have got what it is that you need to be holding on to. And last up, we've got God the Spirit, the Advocate. So John, verse 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Advocate who will, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Now, the Holy Spirit as advocate is very important. I did touch on it early on. The Spirit is a person of God that's been sent into our world to act on our behalf. 
to be that conduit between us and God, between us and Jesus. So when we have hurts and we have sorrow or we have joy and success, we are able to, to lay them to the Holy Spirit and just go, can you take this to God for me? Can you take this to Jesus? I'm struggling right now and I need that perfect response. I need that, so I, I need you to do that on my behalf. Or you might be having so many good things going on and you just want to just thank God. Or you might even be struggling, but there's something small, a breakthrough happens and you just want to thank God. And you go to the Holy Spirit and you just go, can you please take this to God and just, and just thank him. Thank him for doing whatever that thing was and just really making that breakthrough or just that, this really joyful thing in my life. The idea of an advocate can get lost and it's also sometimes translators, comforter um, and a few other things, but advocate is such a strong word and it's probably truer to the sense in which it is written originally. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in the other manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We want to have the big thing. We want to have the speaking in tongues. We want to have, you know, some people seeing colours or, you know, you know, anything, like prophesying words over, over people. They're all the big things. They're all the flashy things. They're all the things that God can do through the Holy Spirit, that conduit, that advocate, God, the Holy Spirit bringing that back from God for us to then manifest in the world around us. But if that is a one-way thing, I don't think it's necessarily either can happen very often or potentially even um, happen in a way that's going to be really truly fulfilling for both you and whoever it is that is around you. So the idea of the Holy Spirit as the advocate, I think, is just so important. And I just really want to encourage you to be thinking about that and just hold on to the idea that the Holy Spirit is there so that I can really get this, this pathway between myself and Jesus, myself and God, and really have that interaction. Um, Paul, do you want to come back up for us? Thank you. So before I um, finish up, we're going to have an opportunity to, uh, to come forward. Um, but I just want to sort of recap and go over because I think I've talked about a lot. It all relates to each other, but sometimes, uh, if you're like myself, you might have tuned in and out, uh, particularly if um, you're closer up the back with the kids because I know that when I'm up back with the kids, sometimes I can do that also, um, being fully honest there. But if we think back to the photo, uh, the image uh, of the Trinity, you've got three, three uh, persons of God. It's probably the cleanest way to, to describe it. That's where a lot of theologians and, and scholars use to explain the Trinity. All equal. They are all God. They all have their own way in which they interact with the world and in our lives and don't get caught up in just chasing one or parts of one. Just because you may be in a current need or a current situation or something just about that maybe resonates with you, allow them to just, not just you just focus on the one, but allow them to then draw you in and then point you to where you need to be. Draw you to 
you know, if the Father draws you in, let him point you across to, to Jesus and what he's done and to the cup and then to the, to the Spirit who's, who's sitting right there next to the cup and, and posturing towards that. And then let the Holy Spirit then bring you back to the Father. Now, and don't be mistaken when I talk about, I'm not trying to take away the, the idea of the, this series being Encounters with Jesus. And, I, and it's been very important for our church and at this time. But even through this whole series, that hasn't been the main focal point. Jesus hasn't been, or sorry, been the only focal point. Jesus has been the name in which we have been speaking about in his interactions. But through all of that, whether indirectly spoken about or not, the presence of the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit has been there and been a part of all of that. And sometimes we just forget about that. Sometimes I forget about that. I'm just saying, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, and when I'm really crying out and I'm needing the Father. So when we are encountering Jesus, we are in fact then drawing in and encountering the fullness of God in the Trinity. Jesus even reflects that in his text. First up, he says that no one gets to the Father except through me. So automatically there, he's saying that you're not here just for me. You're here to get to the Father. So he's automatically directing you on. And then he says that the God, so he's talking about God the Father, will give you another advocate the Holy Spirit. And then he's directing you towards the Spirit. And that's just in one encounter. So we must ourselves allow us, we must allow ourselves to be open to all of the Trinity. We allow ourselves to be taken into that perfect union of the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, no matter how we get there and be drawn in and, and really truly experience and encounter the fullness of God. So we're going to have an opportunity to, to pray. Um, so what we're going to do is going to have a time just to, to sit and pray. And we're going to have an uh, opportunity to come up the front. Now we're going to have an opportunity uh, on one side. So I'm going to ask Edwina, and then I haven't teed up Rosalie yet, but I'm going to ask Rosalie, can you... Um, I was going to ask Brian, but Brian, put, you, put your hand up for you and I haven't had a chance to ask you because you were outside. Um, so Rosalie's going to be up the front over here. Now, if you want to encounter, have, like, have an opportunity to be prayed over and, and, and want to interact with God the Father, you want to come before the God Almighty like a child to their father and just have them love you knowing that they could be doing anything or they can do or they can do anything but they choose to be there in that moment and hold you and love you Rosalie will be there and she can pray that over you uh, and then uh, in the middle here uh, Edwina will be here uh, and if you want to align yourself again with Jesus um, He is the way He is the truth 
here's the life. If you feel as though that maybe some or all of that maybe applies to you where maybe it's not quite fully aligned there, uh, Edwina will be here to pray for you also. And then I'll be over here on the right. So apologies if this is you and you've already heard me speak enough. But if you want something brought before God, and I'm not going to be asking you to come up and share uh, all the things that you want, um, breakthrough for, or things you want to bring before God. But I'll pray, pray a prayer of you, whether it be to bring something before God for breakthrough or just to, to bring thanks and honour towards God from the Holy Spirit to ad, and advocate on your behalf to Him. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church You always will be